This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your tablet, smartphone, and desktop. Support the show and get a free audiobook of your choice by visiting audibletrial.com slash trekfm. This is Houston Huddleston from New Starship, and I'm restoring the Enterprise D bridge, and you're listening to Trek FM. Earl Grey hot. It's time for another serving of Earl Grey, Trek FM's dedicated TNG show. I'm Daniel Pruce, sitting in the center chair this week, joined as always by my two favorite co hosts. On my right, we have Klingon Exchange Officer Philip Gilfus. Philip, how are you finding the experience on this strange new ship in this alien culture? Is it is it weird? Is it create like are you adjusting well? I just want to make an announcement if it's all right with you. I want all the officers to know that your loyalty will be to me except for the captain in the center chair. And wait, why isn't this food moving? Does your food not move here? As long as you, as long as your loyalty, you know, belongs to me, I suppose I can't really complain too much. Also joining us, we have of the House of Moser, we have Darren Moser. Darren, I've heard your house is having a little bit of honor issues. Uh, what, what, what exactly is going on? Uh, no, that those are vicious, vicious lies spread by the House of Moog. They've always been trying to undercut my authority at the High Council. Don't don't you listen to them. I thought I thought you only listened to men of honor. This is this is an outrage. I will not hear of this. Romulan. Oh, well, okay. I <laughs> I will I will not turn my back to you then. Okay, okay. All right. Well, if I'm sure our listeners can deduce and I I wanted to for our, this is our 50th episode, guys. Huzzah! Congratulations. Yay. Uh happy what is it? Is, isn't Happy 50 round the si- number. <laughs> 50th is the silver anniversary, right? Is that right or no? It's, it has its own Roman numeral uh, letter. So there you go. No, 50 is the uh, golden. Oh, it's the golden. Okay, this is our golden anniversary. Okay, well, sure. that's fine. And, uh, you know, I wanted to do something. Oh, okay. Well, like, I guess I don't know anything about anniversaries at all. Uh, I wanted to do something a little special. Um, and I was trying to think, hey, what's really Star Trek? What is something that everybody thinks of as Star Trek? And, you know, ask some guy on the street. They're going to say Captain Kirk, Spock, the Enterprise. And then they're going to say Klingons. That's, that's, that's what most people are going to say. And so we're going to do the Klingons in TNG episode, something we've kind of touched on a little bit here and there, but never really del- delved into. So, guys, Darren, first thing I say when I say Klingons on TNG, what do you think of? Uh, I think of uh, Worf. He's pretty yeah. pretty much uh, right there in the he's a couple minutes in, and he's right there. <laughs> he's right there, and you know uh, where we are. We haven't not done Worf in our in our character shows yet. Um, obviously, something for our, our listeners to look forward to. Uh, so we're not going to spend too too much time on Worf as a character, but let's talk about what Worf represents. Um, so 1987 happens. 
counter at four points. We're up to Star Trek four in the movies at this point. And at that point, the, the Klingons are still the bad guys. You know, the last we saw of the Klingons, we stole their ship and took it to save the whales, you know? Uh, and then all of a sudden there's one on the bridge. Philip, what does that mean? That changes everything in Star Trek, doesn't it? Like Klingon's the classic baddie. He's just hanging out. Well, he's I guess he's not really a tactical at this point, right? But but the fact that he's on the bridge is a big deal. Yeah, I mean it's sort of the whole um and we talked about it in our in our other episode when we talked about sort of lost TOS elements. Um but I mean it's sort of uh, you know, it's in in world, and and I suppose you know, in the show's development, it's basically Gene Roddenberry saying, saying, "Look, we've done the Klingons. We know I'm no more Klingons." And they're like, "Ah, what if we made one on the bridge and they're friendly now?" And Gene's like, well, "Okay, fine, I'll I'll allow that way." Um, but he doesn't get any lines for like the first couple episodes. That no, I don't know. He didn't really say that. <laughs> but um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that does sort of, and, and we talked about you know, if if you were an original series fan. Turning, tuning in to Encounter at Farpoint, you're like, what, Klingons are friendly now? What the heck? Carpet on the bridge? What? How touchy-feely is this thing going to be? <laughs> but but, but I, I, you know, I, I think it, 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 it forces us to think about them in a, in a new way. So that's sort of certainly where they went from there. Right. So we, we you know, we uh, Star Trek 1 happens, right? And they're in the beginning of Star Trek 1, but then they just get uh, 1, I say 1, the motion picture. Uh, they get kind of obliterated into nothingness. And then Star Trek Three happens and we get Doc Brown as a Klingon. Right. And um, and that kind of establishes how Klingons look. And John Cat from Night Court. That's right. That's right, yeah. And that kind of establishes the look and the feel. Those two those two films kind of establish where we get a TNG targ. picks. We get a Targ. A real-life Targ, kind of, I guess. Or a Muppet Targ, I guess. I don't know. But, you know, it kind of establishes how the Klingons are, where TNG is going to pick up the Klingons from and push them forward. Um, but on the bridge, we see, like, not an aggressive Klingon. I mean, he's kind of aggressive, right? He's like, I want to be on the battle bridge. But but he's also an obedient Starfleet officer. Like, that. That uh, how did you feel about that, Darren? Or how do you feel about it now? You, uh, if you see the transition, do you buy it? Does it make sense to you? I, I think it does. I mean, we've spoken before how Klingons, I mean, we everyone feels like in hindsight that, oh, the Klingons were the big villains of T, TOS, but really they weren't even in TOS a ton. I mean, they showed up a couple of times, but I mean, not nearly as many times if you think about it, if you actually start to count those instances. It's really the movies where it's they're really highlighted. I mean, like you've said, Star Trek, you know, one, they're in Star Trek three, four, five, and five. six. So they're six. in pretty much, <laughs> yeah, they're pretty much all I'm like listing into darkness, like hard. Yeah. And then, you know, 13, I mean, sorry, 12, uh, but yeah, they're in, they're in, <laughs> they're in all those movies. So in that regard, yeah. I mean, it, I think, uh, I think he's a great addition to the crew. I think he adds, um, you know, I think they kind of almost as if they were going to go. It, it, there's a dichotomy almost between Worf's character and like Data's character because Data is exploring humanity, whereas Worf is exploring this alien culture. So, 
you know, Worf's not like, whoa, how do you humans do this? I'm really curious. He, he doesn't care. He doesn't care at all how we do things. I mean, he'll he'll follow the rules, but, you know, at least he's not all, like, on a Klingon ship. You know, we don't use carpet or whatever. But, no, <laughs> I, I think uh, I think it's a really good character, and I, I'm really glad even how much Worf we get. I mean, we get him for seven years plus all the years in DS9 plus films. I mean... He gets we get a lot of mileage out of that Klingon. And you know, it's interesting you mentioned I mean Kelecam, uh, sorry. We get a lot of Kelecams out of that. <laughs> nice, out of that nice. <laughs> I like I like that reference. That was good. And it's interesting that you mentioned, you know, Worf and Data because I always for some reason their interaction it's like very infrequent in TNG. But I always I think the funniest parts of TNG, a lot of them come from the Worf and Data interactions. Oh god, I can't even I can't even think of a specific instance well, right now. My favorite uh, instance between them is in uh, the uh, in Gambit, where so Riker's gone, Picard's gone, and Worf like totally like huffs about Data's orders. He's like, "Finally, we're going to do something," you know, showing his Klingon side. And Data calls him out and takes him to his ready room and is like, "Dude, what was that?" Okay, I'm like highly paraphrasing Data, but you no, know, he's <laughs> he's like. You know, I'd never have seen you act that way to Picard or Riker, you know, if you have a problem. Like, we talk about it in private. Like, you know, I'm sorry if I've ended our friendship. And then Worf, you know, as an awesome Klingon, is like, no, you know, he totally realizes he's wrong. He doesn't throw a book or a stone vase into Livingston killing him. No, he keeps his (laughs) anger under control and he totally apologizes. And I love that scene. That's such a great scene right there. Well, Darren, Worf isn't trying to date Livingston, so there's no reason why he would do that. But, um, because my favorite instance is from one of – I know it might not be everyone's favorite, but one of my favorite episodes is In Theory. And it just has that great shot where you start in Worf's mouth and zoom out. That is how I would approach a female when Data's asking how to, you know, court a lady. There, There's a scene, and I'm not – and, you know – Listeners, you know, you can sling your mud at me if you want. I can't recall the specific circumstances or even dialogue, but there's a scene, and I don't know if there's another like it in all of the series, but Worf and Data are on a turbo lift discussing some scenario, and that's my favorite scene. I know that's completely devoid of context and doesn't make any sense right now, but I'm going to find it, I'm going to bring it up in a future podcast, and, and it'll be great. But it's hilarious, and I can't remember what they're discussing, but I think it's amazing. Um, but anyways, um, yeah, well, of course, we're going to talk about Worf in the future. Uh, Worf is a complicated character. You know, Worf is a, you know, Worf from from Encounter at Farpoint all the way till, uh, what would you, Nemesis, right? I mean, Nemesis. I mean, I guess all of the TNG characters span that gap, but he, he spans that Tasha gap who? in a very, <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> But he spans that gap in a very different way than the rest of those characters do, obviously because he gets those three seasons, I think, on Deep Space Nine. And uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But but um, anyways, uh, just the fact that, that he's on the bridge, the first episode, and he is our vehicle through which we explore Klingon culture uh, in a lot of the ways that Spock was the way that we explored human culture from an outsider's perspective in the original series, Worf is like the way that we're like, oh, he's technically a Klingon, but he's also kind of ostracized from his, from that group. And we have to learn f- through him 
about that community. It's just interesting. Um, but we'll talk about that, you know, uh, later on. What if instead of, you know, being an ostracized Klingon, we instead perceived Worf, you know, he's like a celebrity. He's like there, you know, I don't know, some popular celebrity, but you know, everyone like <laughs> wants his blood dagger and you know, they just, Oh, like he can't, he has his adoring fans, hours and hours of hollow calls and, I'm no, I'm saying that'd be terrible. No, it's much better the way we get it. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah, that's a, I'm like when they when they wrote that character. I mean, who's literally standing in the back? Um, you know, like you know, I, I wrote a war line. With, well, don't okay, change that to Yar. Um, you know, but to that that's the only way we would have gotten anything Klingon. I mean, if there's no Klingon character, it's just going to be. Yeah, we encountered them and then we shot at them or whatever. That that's it for seven years. But by forcing that or by writing that character on the bridge, you eventually I mean if you have seven years, you're gonna have to deal with what's it like being a Klingon. Just like having a Vulcan, you had to do, you know, a mock time and, and parents, um and Babel and all that stuff. So I mean uh, you know, once you put a character there, you have to deal with that species, just like in any of the other series. You had to deal with Bajorans and Trills and Denobulans and all that. And so that was little did they know that they would be stuck with with creating the mythos of Klingon, you know, mythology. And you know, I think we'll talk about this. We'll touch on this in the Warp episode. But I actually think this could be an interesting topic for an entire show on its own. Is what would have happened if if um. I'm sorry, Denise Crosby decided she didn't want to leave the next generation. Like, I think her leaving TNG was the catalyst for Worf becoming a real character. And of course, you're right. They may have dealt with this Klingon on the bridge in some manner or some fashion uh, later on down the road. But it certainly would not have been a priority. And he would never have, I feel, like he never would have popped as a character if that hadn't have happened. It's a very interesting kind of thought experiment to say, where would Worf be now if we still had Tasha Yar as a, as a security chief, you know? But, of course, like I mentioned, that's a podcast for an, or two for another time. Um, let's talk about the other Klingon characters that we got on TNG. We got, a whole, we, we got the whole gamut. We got a whole bunch from, you know, Picard essentially choosing. He's a Klingon ma- magnet. I mean, he's like he he's like human catnip to these Klingons. Like they just can't stay away from him. <laughs> it's you know, it's thinking, really what do you call a group of Klingons? Oh, uh, I don't know. Uh, there's got to be something funny we can think of. <laughs> <laughs> Should we stop the podcast? <laughs> so we think of something funny. <laughs> yeah, send in to us and tweet. What do you call a group of Klingons? There it's got to be something that begins with K, right? And has a couple cues <laughs> in it. <laughs> so, um, you know, like, you know, even very early, it's interesting because a lot of people, I don't think, even myself included sometimes, don't consider Picard a Klingon kind of man, a Klingon kind of character. Character with a K there, just so you know. Um, but he <laughs> is. He, he, he grows and learns and changes Klingon society so much single-handedly that, that he becomes... Fundamental in what happens in the Klingon society from that point forward. Oh um, yeah, he has a big well, influence. Yeah, and I think I've I've heard some some folks uh, say, even on this network, that Picard has this reputation like, oh, there's a fight. Picard turns and runs away. I'm like, 
evidently they've never seen a Picard Klingon episode because I think he challenges every Klingon he ever meets to a fight, and they all back down. I always remember the scene in Sins of the Father. Every time anybody says anything about Picard's fighting style or, you know, fighting preferences, I always remember Sins of the Father where he, f- I mean, he, he holds off at least two Klingons, two Klingon warriors. And imagine he's a man in his 60s and he does have a little bit of help at the end. But still, that's impressive. That's, you know, for the guy that's thought of as the diplomat, as the peacemaker, you know, he can throw a punch if need be. Well, he just went back to captain school. He had the two-fisted blow to the back and then the <laughs> jump kick across the room. I mean, th- those are tried and true, Daniel. Those work. He went to Kirk class. He went to Kirk um, Which also starts with a K. <laughs> but, uh, you know... For Klingons. I mean, it goes with us. For Klingons. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, because C is standard orbit. We're doing K here on <laughs> Um yeah, we're all Sesame Street letters. But, I mean, I think, really, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think the Klingon storyline is the only arc of the TNG. Because, in other words, you know, we start off with this, you know, reunion. or not, Yeah, not reunion. I mean, um, we start off with the redemption. You know, okay, with this thing. Um, and, and then that turns into another thing. You know, he, he selects the new chancellor. And then, you know, Worf gets disincommodated. And then, oh, what does that mean? Well, then Worf, his brother comes. And what does that mean? Now this whole Romulan Klingon civil war, what does that mean? And, and like, you just get that for the rest of the four years. We just keep going back to the storyline um, of, of Klingons and Romulans. But, I mean, that's all about the Klingon storyline. And so, you know, what may begin as one Ron Moore Klingon episode just turns <laughs> to the next storyline, which then bleeds over to Deep Space Nine. So, yeah. it, And it's, I'm really glad you said that because it's not about, especially to me, especially with the Klingon story, and we'll talk about this later. This is a whole other topic that I wanted to talk about. But um, the, especially, I mean, I agree the Klingon is probably the most overarching story of TNG, but I would also say the Borg would be up there too. Even though it's very minimal, there's not a lot of episodes about it, it kind of hangs over TNG in a way, um, especially since it goes into the movies. But, but like, um, I see the Deep Space Nine like literally picking up and carrying the ball from where TNG left it, and I, I see that as one giant arc. And it, to me, it's not like which show handles it better. It's just like, TNG did this and established this, and then Deep Space Nine picks it up and moves it to the next point. And it's uh, it's really interesting in that context because, of course, then we get to see the command, you know, the command decisions of oh, how does Picard deal with this versus how Cisco deals with this, and 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 Worf then shows up and it's like oh, okay, well, how are things different now? And uh, but anyways, uh, the, we get all of these recurring characters. In TNG, let's talk about a couple of them. So we mentioned now a redemption, right? Where we get Galron. Uh, I, and... I love Galron. He's one of my <laughs> my favorite Klingons. He's just he, his eyes, like the way that actor and his makeup, his eyes. Say. They're just like you, you. You could pick him out of a room, and I loved how Robert. Riley. I think he had a different, you know, a different Klingon name, but I love him in the vhs star trek oh. interactive board game oh, so glad you brought this up <laughs> he's like he's Klingon. like humans have taken over the enterprise like i <laughs> will get you back you now have 30 minutes to stop me <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i i thought we brought this up before but i don't a long maybe time I don't... ago a long time ago <laughs> Oh my goodness, I loved that game as a kid, and like watching it, 
I mean, I don't know if you watched clips of it since then. Oh yeah, I just I just pop the tape in. It's just just but leave it in the background. <laughs> Thirty minutes till dinner time. You, you. <laughs> oh looky here, I've accidentally dist- turned off all the disruptors. <laughs> It's so funny to watch now because it's the most low budget thing ever. Because Gauron is the only person on the ship. Oh yeah, and, and besides the cameraman, because he's walking around the corridors and Gauron. It's, but anyways, all stock Gauron footage is, and it's yeah exactly. Well, there's also the Klingon, the PC game he was also in because I was just watching a clip on that earlier before this, and so it's in that too. Okay, so we so we have Gal. Look, guys, jump in if you have any characters you want to talk about. Kim, Gal- Kim Pe- well, the whole thing starts with Kim Peck, the Chancellor at the time, um, the fat guy, right? He was who, the fat one, exactly. And he who also drinks too much blood wine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then of course the Duras family—they're yes. like the Brady bunch of TNG, because um, uh, the youngest one has br- uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, the, uh, the you know we we get the sisters, we get the brother, we get the illegitimate son, I guess, pretty much. Um, and uh, so yeah, and and we get a uh, I know uh, Daniel's favorite. We get Kalar. Right. Oh, who, who, Kalar um, arrives Kalar, Kalar. in the most unconventional way we've ever seen a Klingon arrive. <laughs> A, oh, in the pod, via right? Space in the space probe. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, uh, okay, let's. Okay, I'm um, sorry, Philip. I have to. Inter- I just have to interrupt you. Yeah. Let's talk about Kalar because you need I to get do Skeletor love out. <laughs> I do love Kalar. I know she only has two appearances, but uh, I, I don't know. That's all I just. It, took. it was interesting to me because the the direction they went with Kalar because she was half human. And she was like totally rejecting her human, or I mean, sorry, her her Klingon side. So in a lot oh, of ways, hold on, she Daniel. Re- Are you telling me there's a half human, half Klingon character in Star Trek who spins her storyline rejecting her Klingon half? I don't buy it. <laughs> I don't. It'll never work. <laughs> you know, I've actually never considered the similarities between Balana and Kalar before. I mean, I've I've thought of it, but I've never really thought of, thought of it. If that makes any sense. I wonder how people feel about that. Of course, this is going to, to a lot of people, it's going to be like me saying, you know, Ensign Rowe is better than, than Kira because we only get a couple of instances of this character. I'm not saying that, uh, by the way, put down your pitchforks. I'm not saying Kalar is better than Bellana. Uh, I'm just I'm wondering how this is. For those who can't see Daniel's eyes right now, <laughs> oh, he's saying it. <laughs> no, well, Kalar, but, yeah, just... Uh, <laughs> beautifully acted and i mean i would have loved her to stay like as a main part of the cast and just i mean if it had been kalar and alexander and Worf like all together like for the rest of the series like i would have watched that i mean it would have been a very different show that maybe that's like a spin-off <laughs> like he goes off into his own yeah it's a sitcom it, that it's would just be a, a breakout sitcom, sitcom. <laughs> It's the Klingons. The, the, the House of Moog. Honey, I'm Hogs. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just would have substituted, you know, K, uh, Kalar's death for, uh, you know, for Alexander's. I know that makes me a terrible person. I'm sorry, but... but. Well, no, but even... Uh, but actually, I think that would have affected Worf just as much. I mean, even though he just found out about him, it's also like, dude, you killed my son. Like, that is really bad in Klingon culture. Like... That's the kind of things that houses don't forget. 
And not to backtrack, but, you know, I feel like, I mean, it's not a horrible episode, but I feel like, you know, season one did try to do a Klingon episode. I mean, they, they did it and didn't try. Um, Heart of Glory, and which, which has, you know, Admiral Forrest playing a Klingon. Um, but, like, and it introduced, like, a, the Death Howl. Is that, is that what it called? Um, you know, it tried to, like, actually add some Klingon stuff. Like, this is what Klingons are about. You know, hey, we got Worf. He meets some Klingons. We, we see that struggle a little bit. I mean, and that's in season one. You know, it's not my favorite, but it's there. But I feel like once they got Kalar um, in Emissary, and then once they went all the way to Redemption, um, I feel like that's when the Klingon mythos really started to get created. No, definitely. Well, and and you know another, you know, it's, every time they added a new Klingon, and it was weaving through like you know Worf's story, like like Kern. I mean, you didn't know your son. You didn't know you had a. Or well, I mean, we didn't know. You know, he had a brother. Like, <laughs> you know, and uh, Worf's. Like, this is your Worf's life. life Worf. Is... <laughs> <laughs> well, it's more like a Maury episode. <laughs> like, all right, Mister Worf. Well, here's your long lost brother. Oh, oh God. And here's your baby mama. <laughs> okay, you know, it's just... I can see now Klingon Mori. That would be a very popular show in the Empire. <laughs> like, let's take the blood test right now. Pulls out a knife. <laughs> <laughs> Cuts his hand, sticks it in the computer. Boom, you are the father. <laughs> and you and know, he starts he doing, like, your house. Klingon. <laughs> I guess that would yeah. be the phrase. And you know, they're, they're, every time I hear people say... A criticism that's levied against TNG specifically, which is that TNG is the squeaky clean, family-friendly, super, everything-ends-up-happy show, right? Um, I, thought the, two of the I ins- thought the thing was we didn't have any continuity. I thought that's what people... Well, that's part that's of it, right. too. That's part of it, too. But two but of the that, things... But that, no, just, but that as well. But the, con, the, uh, the, the squeaky clean as well. So two of the things... Two, two of the prime examples that I always bring up are both Worf examples or both Klingon examples of when, when, when Kalar is killed and Worf, he just, not only does he, first of all, show his son, expose his son to the death of his mother and says, watch her die or like whatever, you know, whatever he says. I don't think he says watch her die. That will remember this. Remember this. Watch the, yeah, (laughs) that that won't affect him for the rest of his life. (laughs) And uh, then proceeds to go over and murder the, you know, the person that killed his wife. Or almost wife, I guess. Uh, but the, the other instance that always comes up in my mind is, uh, what is the episode with Romulan? The defe- not the defector. Uh, the one Lots with of the, Romulan episodes. Which one? The, oh, the I know Geordi, what you're talking about. The Geordi one. Um, the def- uh, I keep saying the defector. Oh, something. yeah. The, I know what you mean. The, the one where... My the, enemy? Enemy mine? Something no, like Enemy that. Mind's a classic sci-fi movie. Oh, here we go. Hang on. I think it's The Enemy. The Enemy. Is that what it is? It might be. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. But yeah, okay, where the he, enemy. with the transfusion, where he needs to give yes, him Yes, the blood. transfusion. And he's like, yeah. nope. Klingon he's like, nope, not doing it. <laughs> not doing it. <laughs> that is his quote. <laughs> not doing it. Yeah. Uh, two really good, really character-driven episodes where Worf is the center and he's just, he does what his Klingon heritage tells him to do, you know? And at the and, end, uh, <clears throat> at the end, Jordy's like, I saved my Romulan, how about you? Oh, no, Worf, you totally oh, failed. Oh, shoot. <laughs> Dang. I guess we're at war now. But, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you know the uh, the things about, like, and, and I feel like, I, I don't know if it was Ron Moore or someone being quoted at 
uh, redemption that, like, you know, once you disincommodate Worf, you just can't not talk about it for the rest of the series because you're going to encounter Klingons. And so, like, you know, they, they said, you know, to the extent that people felt it was episodic, once that happened, you can't be episodic anymore because that's going to be there for the rest of the series. And so, I mean, that's really what got the continuity going. I mean, as we said with the Klingon storyline, or arc, I mean, continuing arc to Deep Space Nine, I mean, you can't not have continuity, you know, with all these things happening. You know, it's not like... You know, oh, Kalar died. Well, we'll never talk about her again. Oh, there's a son. We'll never talk <laughs> about him again. Oh, okay, he's back. Okay, well, no, you know, and so, you know, it's it, it, it keeps on going. Well, there are a lot of reoccurring characters that we get in TNG that we see later on. Um, a lot of important threads that are picked up. Um, okay, guys, the next thing I wanted to talk about is, in a lot of ways, TNG represents... Old Trek to New Trek, right? So TOS to the future Trek, to Voyager and Deep Space Nine, and even TNG itself, I guess. It could be self-referential. But it had to change the, the Klingons in a lot of ways, you know, to, in order to establish it being... We get the Klingons in the original series, and they're, they're interesting, but they're just kind of guys in face paint with fake mustaches a lot of the times, right? And, and we have to kind of turn them into, oh, what differentiates them from humans? What, what? So we get, you know, we get these kind of concepts like Gach and, 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 you know, Klingon opera and what? Blood and wine. Gach and blood wine and, and, and pain sticks and, PS-Clock. you know, yeah. And uh, what are Chadich, Targs? Well, I don't know. Targ was in Star Trek three, I think. So Bat-Liths we didn't, we battleths and stuff like that. Exactly. So what do you guys think? You guys think that TNG did a good job um, of, of creating creating a new race uh, and a compelling species out of this template that we, we received from TOS? Or could we have done more? Could it have done more, I suppose? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think they did create it a whole lot. Because we were talking in uh, 10 Forward earlier, because I was trying to remember when Star Trek Six happened. Because I was wondering whether they... Ca- tried to because this would this is almost you know i think you, you said it was fifth season tng so i mean you know we're already in the future of the 24th century and now we're looking back to the 23rd century in star trek 6 which is you know obviously very klingon based uh movie so but i was wondering whether they tried to retcon you know the klingons from tos to make them look tng ish but like i don't even think you hear the word honor in star trek 6 um which uh, you never not hear the word honor in, in TNG when it comes to Klingons. You know, maybe, maybe it's overused. Um, but, but yeah, I think we sort of create, you know, what it is to be a, a Klingon, which, of course, the other series even further expands. You know, you always have a, uh, the Enterprise episode, was it Judgment, where, like, you have, like, the Klingon lawyer going, like, what, do you, you think we were all warriors or something? You know, but, um, you know, you, you, but in TNG anyway. poets and artists. <laughs> Sculptors. <laughs> Hey, we we got a Klingon scientist on TNG. It was in the uh, suspicions. Ooh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well thought of. Um, and uh, but yeah, I, I think we do get that expansion. I mean, we even get. It's not like a favorite episode, but it's one I really think about a lot. Um, birthright, or not? Excuse, not birthright. I was, though I was thinking about that one. Um, rightful heir. That's what I'm trying to think of with Collis, because you know we you heard about Collis and uh, TOS. Savage Curtain, I think that was it. Yeah. Um, Are we talking about Kalis? And 
Yeah, Kalis. Okay, well, sorry. In, in the, the, way, the, way, the way Klingons call him. Klingons. Klingons. <laughs> Got it. Okay, um, no, no. If I'm pronouncing it all wrong all these years, that's fine. I'll, I'll change. I just wasn't – I was making sure we were just talking about the same guy. Well, the, uh, there's just, Kalis the warrior and Kalis the McDonald's franchise owner. <laughs> but 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 I you know you get you know what does that mean they're they're sort of Klingon Bible which is probably a false analogy but anyway that's you, know, you kind of get what's that all about and I mean again we're not talking about Worf but we are talking about Worf you know he talks about these tales that he tells not only his son Alexander but in um uh you know in in the Romulan birthright prison. he tells the Klingon I don't know teenagers tweens whatever they are um about their Klingon <laughs> don't culture. call a and Klingon so, teenager a tween that's the last thing you'll ever say well there are also Cromulans too but I'm not mentioning that too um so but but I think that's to me the best episode as far as Klingon mythology is is birthright parts one and two um because you literally get Worf teaching the audience this is what it means to be a Klingon you know what's interesting about – I'm glad you brought up the Savage Curtain because it's really interesting. It's not an episode I'm always super familiar with, but it establishes an incredible amount of Star Trek lore that is picked up. You know, um, the, we get both Surak and and uh, I guess Kalis, Kalis, whatever you want to say. Like we get the foundations of these societies that are picked up for 40, 30, 40 years to come. And um, and of course Abraham Lincoln, who's just there because he's he's floating in space and he has a top hat. <laughs> you know, like I guess you. I guess the analogy, and of course they weren't that forward thinking at the time, but it would have made way more sense, I think, maybe if um, Zephram Cochran had showed up on the view screen, right? That would have been like the guy who changed human society. Anyways, but but that's another episode. That is another totally another episode. Um, and uh, but it's you know, the, it's one of those great things about TOS is like. They sometimes we as Star Trek fans like f- pick the craziest minutia out of the silliest episodes and we're like, that's the part that matters the most. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Uh, but anyways, um, yeah, of course, things change in TNG, right? So from Heart of Glory, which is, uh, as Philip mentioned, it's a season two episode where. Those two, excuse me. Yeah, uh, where, uh, you know, we get the the yelling grief Klingon yell scream thing uh, until what until what until I guess generations the last appearance the real appearance last real appearance we see in TNG the Duras sisters they I think Klingons come full circle it's not my favorite race by any means but but we get to see Kronos Kronos is mentioned by name I think for the first time in TNG I believe and forgive me uh, are you pronouncing that with a K or a Q <laughs> well didn't did they maybe mention it in star trek 6 with when they're talking about praxis and oh yeah. you know it might have been mentioned first in star- i see this is why i don't know I, I, because I, the timelines get mixed up with they do they're the they're timelines. really confused but because i know for a while said it first oh for a while on tng it was referred to as the klingon homeworld yeah. or, you know whatever it was we I don't mean, name our planets we conquer them <laughs> Okay, so if I remember correctly, it might be Star Trek Six that it was it probably mentioned on, uh, named first. But you know, anyways, we get we do establish a lot. We're the first ones to go to it, even before it has a name. Such a cost for the Klingon homeworld, warp three. You know what I mean? Like it's not that you would ever say that, but and then we get you know Batleths and Honor, like Philip mentioned a couple of times, and 
all of these these different things you know Darren you didn't talk much in the last segment here what do you think do you think that we we really established these guys as a as a viable species do you, you know do you think, think we took them from villain to to potential ally at least yeah no i think we do and and i think that you know they they do have a lot of klingon episodes i mean they're probably the most used species in the uh um you know in in the tng mythos as it were but no i definitely i think tng does a great job of establishing them and then you know transitioning it really well you know to ds9 which just takes it even farther uh but yeah i mean i mean a lot of people like klingons a lot of people like uh you know their their history their culture and even even with as much as information as we're given, there's still a bit of mystery about him, which is nice. Yeah, I mean, I think we haven't talked about it, but I know we've talked about it before. In fact, we've we've done lots of. It was our first uh, ready room. Um, was uh, a matter of honor with Riker. I mean, that really gets into, you know. You know, we think like, oh, Klingon warriors, and like, no, they laugh and have group sex, and I don't, you know, whatever. But uh, they they have a lot of um, <laughs> food choices, and um, you know, and and we learn more about, you know, they have parent issues, um, all that stuff, and that makes them a little bit more relatable than just this cartoon, blah blah, kill, zap zap, cloak cloak. I think, I think no, you you hit it on a really good point there, Philip. I mean, what makes Nowadays, like in in Herb all these sex? Marvel, no, that's not, <laughs> no, but in like the Marvel movies nowadays, like with Loki and with a lot of the villains, like what makes a convincing villain? It's not necessarily that they're they're the black hat. Oh, well, that's the bad guy. We're the good guys. They're the bad guys. It's it's the minutia and it's learning about them and what their desires are. And just like you said, I mean, that's what. Heart of Glory was doing is it's saying, hey, look, these are a people and they have things they're striving for. They, I mean, it's a different culture and it takes some getting used to, but, you know, I think that's the best thing that TNG did for the Klingons is not just give us more of them, but really, you know, show, hey, this is what they're after. You can make your decision on whether or not they're the bad guys, you know, but this is what is this is what drives a Klingon. You know, and to Philip, to your point, like if you look at like, you know, troubles with tribbles and then all of the stuff we do with Worf and all the stuff we do in TNG to the end of Deep Space Nine, you know, everything that goes on with Jadzia and all that stuff. What you I think who? What you fu- <laughs> come on now. Jadzia never gets a who. Darren, not from the, never from the TNG crew. You were married, Worf. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's true. Um, I think that I think that um, you know, being the TNG people, we see a lot of it through Worf's eyes, and Worf, I think, gets established even in TNG very early on as being very naive about what Klingon culture is really, really about. And you know, I would say like if we put Worf into Troubles and Tribbles, he might not fit in, but we do get to see Worf in Troubles and Tribbles. <laughs> And, and he, he doesn't fit in. fit in very well, <laughs> you know. And then we get this this scene on in Redemption where where Worf he's talking to Gowron and they're they're you know he, they're at the bar and they're and it's like wait, wait, everybody sorry. else is he, he's talking to Kern. You said he's talking to Gowron. Kern, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. 
Then he stabs Galron right there. <laughs> <laughs> and then he oh, becomes it an was ambassador. Kern. See, that's why I was confusing it with Deep Space Nine. Yeah, okay. that's yeah no, right. he's talking with Kern. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's yep. Galron's men versus Duras's men, and they're fighting for yep. who's going to lead the Klingons. Someone needs so, to go uh, back to Klingon school 101. Ah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Brushed up on your history. That's okay. <laughs> go to Kirk's class. <laughs> so a perfect example of this is in Redemption, when... Worf is talking to Kern, and Worf doesn't get this idea that, like, battle is supposed to be exhilarating and exciting and awesome. And he's like, we can't, these are our enemies. We cannot drink with them. We cannot celebrate with them. And Kern's like, yo, bro, you don't get it, man. Like, this is not, you're missing the point. (laughs) Yoko, you only cling on once. You know he's he's not <laughs> he's not getting the point. He's he's missing it completely. And I love Worf. I love Worf as a character and the Klingons are interesting, but I love that scene because he's like, "Bro, come on now." Like this is how it works. It's not like how you read about it in books and stuff. This is And that's like one of the few times I think that like Star Trek really establishes an alien culture as very, very, very alien. Like, totally different. Like, we would never get that. Like, you know, having apple pie with some terrorists, I guess, would be the closest analogy. I don't know what that would be, but... Well, terrible. (laughs) I know, I'm sorry. I don't know what you would say, but... (laughs) Well, like, there's a 20th century analogy, um, and I I think it's World War I. Late 20th uh, century? Because that's the, my favorite part of the 20th <laughs> <century>. <laughs> no, no Tom Paris, it's earlier. Um, okay. It's, it's uh, during World War One. there's always the story of, it was, I don't know if it was Britons or Americans oh, this, being told here, it's always the Americans. Is this the Christmas but, um, one? During Christmas time, yeah. you know, back, you know the, because both sides were celebrating Christmas, the Germans and, and the Americans or allies or whatever, actually weren't allies, whatever. Anyway, um, and so like for that Christmas Day, like, that actually was like a little, you know, exchange and celebration and, you know, shared a drink, and then everyone went back to their trenches. But, I mean, yeah, but, it, but it's very rare, very rare. You don't obviously hear that happening at all. <laughs> all right, guys. Um, we've, we've danced around it a little bit, and we don't have to delve into it because it's transitionary. But I wanted to talk a little bit about where we leave the Klingons in All Good Things. And where they go beyond that. What right? we leave behind? <laughs> and what you leave behind, yeah. So, you know, of course, not just, but specifically, not just, you know, not just Deep Space Nine, who famously picks up the, the, the Klingon mantle and, and moves forward, but even Voyager, who, who has a Klingon character on their bridge, the only other show that has a Klingon uh, uh, character. Uh, yeah, half Klingon. But they have Klingons. I mean, I like the Klingon episodes of Voyager really well. Like the, yeah. you have the Barge of the Dead where she's like hallucinating a ton. But even more so the where her child is the chosen one of that old yeah, the seventh D7. Season. I forget what it's called. That's yeah. great. I love that one. It's like That was cool. That was cool. And if, if just Darren, just out of curiosity, if anybody wanted to listen to episodes about Voyager, where would they go? Oh, uh, gosh. There's there's that podcast. What's it? What's it? Delta Quadrant, right? Yeah, the Delta Quadrant. They go. They're going through every episode. Darren, they're not Darren, quite there Chris yet. Will, Chris will kill you. He will kill you. Uh, oh yeah, if they want to listen to uh, Star Trek Voyager, they can listen to uh, Shar and uh, Tristan over on To the Journey. To the Journey. To the Journey. 
I'm I'm good. I I did my like, part. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I pl- he he. You know, Daniel, don't be a Romulan pulling his strings. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it is interesting. <laughs> of course, you know, it's almost the same thing. Like, let's talk about Klingons on Deep Space Nine. Oh wait, we have to talk about Warf. Let's try not talking about Warf while we're talking about Klingons. You know, it's almost the same issue. You know, let's talk about I mean, Mark. Talk about now. Mark. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um. But yeah, no, the other series and, and, and Into Darkness certainly, you know, revisits that again. And even Enterprise, I mean, let's not forget, has its Klingon episodes too. I mean, it's, it's freaking in the pilot. pilot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love I love Martog. I think he's like the badass the badassest of all the Klingons. I think he's awesome. Yeah, Martog. Even fake Galron or Martog. Even... Oh yeah, fake fake changeling oh, right, Martok for half right, a right. season. <laughs> <laughs> when he comes back with no eye, that's when uh, I always forget he like didn't always have one eye. Like it was, he he had two for like a good part of it, and I'm like, oh, that's right. And those contract negotiations are bloody. On <laughs> like, but you want more I prosthetics? <laughs> <laughs> I have to wear a what? Another hour in the chair, man. Gosh, <laughs> thanks. You know, writers. I could act with one eye behind my. Oh, you're gonna make me do it. It's really shouldn't boast. <laughs> But I did specifically want to talk about, you know, what they picked up from TNG. Like, any of the series. Like, of course, DJ 9 of course, is the most prominent. They picked up Worf. They picked up Gowron. They picked up... Uh, but, but even all the other series, right? Like, Voyager did pick up um, Threads as well. And, and even Enterprise, kind of. Enterprise tried to reconcile the uh, the... TNG Klingons with the original series Klingons. That's true. By the way, not an easy task, and I think they did it fantastic. They did a pretty good job too. Yeah, as as good as they could have done, I think, in that situation. Um, that's the Kobayashi we... Maru. That is the no-win scenario. Right? <laughs> <laughs> how, do recon- how could you reconcile TNG and TOS Klingons? It is a long story. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, and that immediately comes to mind. Do we? Okay, let's talk about that. As TNG fans, are we satisfied with uh, with uh, troubles and tribulations? Oh goodness, yes. That's that's I. I, I mean, of course, I we're satisfied with love the for episode. anyone to say. right. Yeah. Um, yeah, the mentioning. Well, yeah, I mean, because you know they just wave it away, which is, I think, what you know that was fine. That's I think what. Okay, you know how, how we mentioned it. Leave us alone. <laughs> um, I think it's the you know Enterprise three parter <laughs> that's where it for perhaps divides fans a little bit more. So which I mean I don't you know I could have gone either way. Don't address it in Enterprise or do what they did either way. I suppose, but but, but I mean I think because it's interesting because you have TNG which has this sort of fifty fifty relationship with Klingons. We kind of don't like them, but we also embrace their culture through Worf's character and everything and their own Klingons that show up. DS nine I think really. Um, embraces Klingons. I mean, even though they are an enemy for, like, several seasons, but they're also allies. And I, so I think... And you have Jadzia, who's really embracing Klingon culture, and you have Quark, who literally embraces the Klingon. Um, and, <laughs> you know... So, you know, I think DS9, for the large part, is pro-Klingon. Whereas you go to Voyager, which is kind of yeah. anti-Klingon, because Balana is pushing against Klingon culture. It's always, you know, this is what I don't like about it. I don't want it. I don't. I hate it. Blah blah blah. Un- and so, until yeah. Barge of the Dead, right? When yeah. she accepts her Klingon heritage. Um, Day of Honor, you know, that's that's or whatever the 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 you know, 
Um, and then, you know, Enterprise kind of has the, sort of the TOS, like they're ca- cartoonish. Yeah, it's not a criticism, but that they're cartoonish bad guys, except for when we get to judgment and then they start to, you know, treat them. They certainly expand the mythos with that. Anything to say? Anything to add, Darren? Uh, no, I just, uh, I guess the only other one I can think of is the new, I know it's, I mean, not totally canon, but Prelude to Axanar. I'm excited to see how that shows how our interactions with the Klingons uh, take place. I think that's going to be a great story, and I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing that. And one thing we haven't talked about, even though we've talked about it a lot, is, hey, Klingons have ships, and we have things about them that we've talked about before. There you go. <laughs> Uh, real quick, guys. Um, we got. I mean, we all have differing opinions on the new the new Star Trek. But in in to Into Darkness, we got Klingons, which I actually really liked uh, the design of the Klingons. I thought it was cool and interesting and new, a new a new spin at least on an old design. Um, if you were to be the director of Star Trek 2016. Yay, nay, Klingons. Uh, I mean, they obviously established them as a threat. Would you include them? Would they be the main plot of the story? Like, what would you do? Just, just as I know, this is general Star Trek, but uh, Darren, would you would would uh, Klingons be the baddie in your in your Star Trek three? Yeah, no, I think using them in Star Trek three would be you know be great. I mean, they weren't really used in two. I mean, Khan was really the the villain. They were just kind of hinted at, but. I think you could do some some good things with them. I'm I'm just more wanting them to kind of just see a fantastical bad guy, you know, just you know something off the wall. Because if this if this is supposedly them now on the five year mission, you know, now they're, you know, just I want it to feel like a big episode, you know, not necessarily like oh look we have to use this we have to use this element. Like okay we get it it's Trek it's you know here's all the references just tell me a good story. So uh, it's official. Everyone on Twitter and Facebook, Darren would prefer space hippies to Klingons. <laughs> okay, I, I do the draw the line somewhere. <laughs> yeah. What about you, uh, Philip? How do you think? You think next next movie? Let's get Klingons back into it, or? Well, as I understand it, you just get the ra- random letter generator because they they had N for the first movie, so you had Narada and Nero, and the second movie K came up, so you had Khan and Klingons. So it's really whatever letter comes up for the third one of of how everything's gonna start to be the villains. Um but and I also like how uh the the new Trek uh, villains all went to the rough neighborhood except that the uh Nero and Romulans went to the tattoo parlor and the Klingons went to the piercing parlor. But um <laughs> But uh, other than that, no, no, I mean, I, I think, you know, you have to move on because, I mean, I don't know what the plans or I think, I, I mean, I feel like this is the last one, right? Or, you know, maybe one more. I mean, I feel like this is the last one. But so I feel the last like, one planned you know, don't retread anything. You know, we've done Rhymelands, we've done Klingons. It's time to, you know, before they all, you know, go beyond their 30s or something. Um, but, yeah, so, so no, you know, I'd rather have something new. You know, they, they had their chance and. You know, to, to the degree it was cool, right? Um, but, you know, time for something else. Well, all right. Uh, Darren, last uh, final thoughts. Anything else to say about the Klingons that we happen not to mention? or? Uh, no, just that they're, it's a great part of TNG. The, the Klingon fan collective is a great way if you really want to add some good Klingon episodes to your collection without buying a ton of series. So, But, uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's always a Klingon episodes you never know what you're gonna get it's 
always going to be a fun ride. And Philip, anything else? Uh, just two things. I mean, one, I mean, we certainly have to acknowledge that, you know, when it comes to the fans of, of TNG and Trek in general, you know, uh, you know, half, 60% of the time, 70% of the time, someone's going to be wearing their Starfleet uniform. But like the other 30, 40% of the time, you're going to have someone dressed as a Klingon. So obviously these characters, and they're going to look like the TNG ones, right? Um, and so obviously this this definitely took a hold of the imagination of, and of fans. And and I think really, really led to some some great stories. You know, I, I think, I, Daniel, you said, you know, Cleon's not necessarily my favorite. But, you know, you certainly can't deny that when it comes to TNG, um, I mean, we do have to acknowledge that it kind of blow up the Enterprise D, right? Um, you know, <laughs> as much as we hate to say it. Um, but, uh, you know, that they definitely had great stories and great characters and certainly put our characters through the paces and, and was was definitely something to be remembered. Yeah, and I mean, I feel the same way, guys. I Klingons are not my favorite species that we ever encounter, but they are important, and they establish a lot, and we get a lot of really interesting stories out of them, and really, what else could you ask for? All right, guys. Well, it's been fun talking about Klingons this week, but it's not the only thing we've been talking about at Trek FM, so here's a peek at what else you may have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. <laughs> Everything that we do has to exist inside of this little box. This and, window, yeah, if you will. Right. And you can you can do whatever you want inside there, but once you step outside, you know, it's the real world. Earl Grey. That's you know what I mean? And then Star Trek Five is all about crapping all over the rest <laughs> of the movies that just came out. <laughs> Axonar, the official podcast. When you're in the edit bay, as soon as you put one image next to another, it's this instant gratification. It's this great creative jolt, which happens every time you start juxtaposing your images. And when you start seeing things fall into place, it's it's really galvanizing and it's really thrilling, actually. And I love feeding off that kind of, of energy. The ready room. Well, you know, time is not really linear, Char. So the monkey... He's always been there, and he always will be. <laughs> I take the Janeway stance on time travel. It gives me a headache. The orb. Batman also creates a contingency plan for all the other superheroes, just in case something goes wrong with them. So, it so what does he do for the Wonder Twins, for example? Like, how is he going to take them out? If um, I think he just separates them eternally, so they okay. can't smack their hands together. To the journey. We have like a whole bunch of geek aliens, like they're wearing their own superhero t-shirts, they're eating <laughs> Hot Pockets, they have headphones oh on, and they're all in their own little, you know, 24th century room, but they're like, dude, dude, I totally just pwned the Voyager. Commentary, Trek stars. And underlines the goal of Prexy Gail Berman to re-energize the pipeline while revitalizing the PAR brand with top-tier talents such as Abrams. I love trades. You have They're no so... idea what you're saying at this point. Warp 5. He can put her mind at ease about these kinds of things because he can just, you know, you know how Trip is. Like, let's, you know, let's have some catfish and, like, just hang out. You know what <laughs> I mean? Continuing mission. We actually spoke with uh, CBS legal team, and uh, that was one of the things that we that we had told them is that we all of our visuals were all original scenes all of our animation was going to be original all of our music would be original so we would not be stealing any content from the original era mm -hmm. and and they liked that a lot literary treks 
And I just love that because it is very true. You know, Picard in some ways kind of has that Yodaness about him where he will kind of speak in a riddle and he wants you to figure it out. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out these shows and get in on the daily Trek talk. You'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, the Windows podcast directory for Xbox and Zune, or you can stream from the website. Just visit trek.fm slash pd for podcast directory to get all the links. If you would like to contact us to share your thoughts on today's show or any show, uh, just go to trek.fm slash contact. From that form, you can choose send to show and select Earl Grey. Of course, what else would you pick? These messages will be emailed to the three of us. You can also use the tab on the right-hand side of any page on Truck.fm to send us a voicemail using your webcam's microphone. The conversation is always going on with our podcast crew and other listeners in our forums at Truck.fm slash forums. And finally, in social media, you'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Truck.fm and on Twitter under username Truck.fm. Before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor who helps us bring Earl Grey to you each week And our sponsor for this week is Audible.com. Audible is a great way for you to read all of the books you've ever wanted to read, but never thought you'd have time for. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from, and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers, and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive, Federation, Spock's World, Audible has something for everyone. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice, along with a 30-day trial, to see just how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read, and that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm, and we thank Audible for supporting Earl Grey, and Trek FM. And lastly, there's one more way you can directly help us keeping Earl Grey coming to you each week, and that is by adopting some aliens. Well, illustrations anyway. If you go to Trek FM slash donate, you'll find eight original illustrations by Tobo Ushi, who does most of the artwork you see on our website. They're available as both badges and art prints, and there are different contribution levels for you to choose from. Just let us know which you would like in which format. Again, you'll find them at trek.fm slash donate, and your support helps us pay for the cost of production, hosting, and bandwidth that's needed to bring the show to you each week. All right, guys. Well, we have a few pieces of feedback here. We have one from uh, Jason B. I'm just going to say B because that seems reasonable, uh, from Texas. And he says, hey, I'm writing in regards to your guys' unanimous opinion that the Enterprise-E is the best version of the Enterprise. I disagree for many reasons. I think it's sort of untrek-like for the Enterprise to have a redesigned as a muscle car slash battleship. The Enterprise D always felt like a scientific vessel first that could defend itself when necessary. He also goes on to talk about how the Enterprise D was a major character for TNG and something that was missing from the three movies that the Enterprise E that the Enterprise E was featured in. Um, had first contact taken place on the D, he says, the engineering and other sets would have probably gotten similar treatment and looked great. What do you guys think? I mean, uh, it's an interesting point to say that the E changed so much from the original design perspective of the D. It, it's true. I think just from what I've read, you know, from behind the scenes, just on how hard it was to shoot the D model and just 
I, I think there were many decisions in the destruction of it. It wasn't just a, oh, this would be cool, but or oh, it wasn't. Kirk destroyed his, so we have to destroy ours, you know. But I think it it led to a lot of great things they could do with the Enterprise E ship. So I, I definitely understand it, but it was sad to see it go. I mean, it was a it was a beloved ship, went before her time. And we also received feedback from uh, a Brad A which I guess is all I'll say, um, who starts up by saying, all right, gents, by your command, here is my full list. And he gives us the 1701 refit slash A, which is, of course, the same. Uh, 1701, the original, sh- the original ship, the E, the B, the D, and then the C slash NX-01. And he probably deliberately spaces the, uh, the JJ Enterprise further on down the list. You opened up the door with the whole slashes, and now everyone's you know not committing <laughs> to what uh, order they want, Daniel. But it's okay. I mean, if there's anything that you've done to this podcast, Daniel, it's encourage our fans to slash. <laughs> and, and that's all that matters. He goes on to talk about how he likes to define a lot, and and uh, you know, renaming the the at the Sao Paulo is not a great idea, but. He's not a fan of the JJ Prize because he hates the scaling issue, which, fair enough, is definitely a big issue. And the brewery, which I think I think is universally hated. I can't think of anybody that's ever said that they like Boy, the I'm so glad there's a brewery inside my enterprise. Yeah. I, I think Keenzer enjoyed it, didn't he? Yeah. Um, but, you know, we, we've, get, we've gotten a few of these messages about the differences. And I think, I think every Trek fan truly has a different list of, of favorite ships. Of the series, Darren, if if you had to recommend, maybe like a book or something that people could read about different starship design, what would you recommend to them? Oh well, there's a lot of great books. I'd say the Star Trek Techno Manual is a great spot to start for Enterprise D. There's also a great one about all the Enterprises that uh, I referenced a lot in that episode. Or if you're really specific about just the transition from the Enterprise G to the E, there's uh, Ship of the Line. That's a great uh, great book about that. I'm sorry, what was that called? Uh, Ship of the Line. Uh, I actually oh. get five cents for every time I plug <laughs> this. Uh... <laughs> no, just kidding. No, it's a great book, and it does cover that a lot. If you like In Theory or Enterprise D slash E, that's pretty much all the book's about. And we appreciate the feedback from both Brad and Jason, and uh, and we apologize not having the time to read your f- your full emails here on air, but I promise you, we have read and discussed uh, what you guys have to talk about um, as much as if you were part of the podcast yourselves, because you are. You're, you're any anybody that that listens to and and comments on what we have to talk about is is just a part of as much of this community as we are. So um, please please reach us on you know even if we don't have an ongoing okay I shouldn't say that. So please, please comment on what we have to talk about on on truck.fm or on the forums or send us an email, a voicemail, anything you want to do. We love interacting with the fans. Send us a tweet. We love to hear from our fans and how they, they agree or disagree with us. It's that's the wonderful thing about Star Trek is even if you even if you don't think the same way everybody else does, you know, you're still a Star Trek fan and that's really what matters we got some feedback um this week and uh uh-oh well based on last week's show this one is coded 
um, under code 47. It's from Alan Blanco, um, or Blanco, excuse me, I don't know, um, from Brooklyn, um, who writes us. And I'm afraid he doesn't have all kind words to say about Earl Grey. Now, he is catching up on us, and he says that he really likes the show and the conversations and that we're doing a fantastic job. But he feels like we do... uh, sometimes say some unkind things about the other Star Trek series. But, but Alan, I, I hope you listen to our two-part um, 47 series um, where we talk about mostly everything else but uh, TNG. So we're glad you're listening to our back catalog, and, and we're glad that you enjoyed TNG. But, but hopefully uh, you know that, that we are just joshing around here about the other series and that we all do enjoy the other series. Although, although Philip, you do realize that by the time he hears this episode... He'll have already listened to, if he's going through the back catalog, there's no way to reach him. Abort. Go to uh, episode 47 first. We can't, we can't hear it. According to the Vulcan Science Academy, time travel is not possible, Darren. All right. Well, for our, our next email, um, we got some uh, feedback from um, our ship episode. Um, this is from, oh, and I'm probably going to mispronounce this. I apologize uh, in, in, in the future here. Uh, Greg Malumbi, I think I'm saying that right. And he's just a few hours north of you, uh, Darren. He's in the Bay Area in California. Um, and he says, you know, hey, hey, guys, loved your topic on ranking the ships and thought it might be fun if I added my rankings. So th- th- these are his. He goes um, 1701 refit. Then he goes 1701A. So he believes that they are two different ships. Um, 1701D, then the 1701 original classic. 1701C, JJ, NX01. And the last is B. He says, I really love the movie versions of the Enterprise. Um, But he says, the B felt useless mainly because it was. Um, and he says, even though I'm a TNG fan, the D does feel like a luxury liner in space. But he says he does love all the ships, though. So we thank you for that feedback, Greg. And and uh, so so what do you think, Daniel? He said they're two different ships. Uh, um, no. The, I'm sorry. I have to disagree so strongly. They're not different ships. They are – they have a – well, I mean, I, they're different ships in the fact that they have a different name letter on the top of their hull uh but they're not different ships it's the exact same model why bother doing it come on come on come on well you know i just was just thinking what if instead okay it's the end of star trek 4 and they they're fly they fly over that little space tug that was right there what if instead of the excelsior it or i'm saying what if the enterprise a was an excelsior class so it was literally an upgrade instead of the exact same ship with an A stamped on it. Well, that would be awesome. I mean, it wouldn't be an awesome ship design, but it would be. It would make sense. I think that makes a little more sense in my head. Eh, you know, stamp an A on it. That'll make it work. And then S- S- Scotty instantly resigns his commission. But anyway, <laughs> but we thank why. you That's all for the feedback. <laughs> and uh you know even even if it's not all glowing and positive even though it helps our poor precious egos so that we don't cry sleep at night um but we you know we'll we certainly appreciate even even uh the uh, the comments of that there are some critiques so so we appreciate them all and we appreciate everyone's feedback because you were part of this conversation and we hope you keep those emails coming all right darren and if people want to talk to you about targs how could they get a hold of you 
Um, I'm actually more of a cat person myself, but yeah, uh, they can find me on, it's like a Klingon kitty. Uh, they can <laughs> find me on Twitter under username Dr. Sci-Fi. That's D-R-S-C-I-F-I. And Philip, if they wanted to talk to you about blood wine, how would they get a hold of you? Um, well, you know, that's always how I like to end the night. Um, but they can ask about my favorite vintages and how I like to drink upon the dead bodies of my enemies on Twitter at NC Public Servant. That's NC like North Carolina. And Darren, remember, Worf was also not a, a cat person. He and Spot did not get along. That's true. <laughs> that's true. That's because he chose the wrong feline supplement. Uh, and if people wanted to get a hold of me to talk about uh, Batlaths or Maclaths or Jadzia, well, Jadzia, let's just talk about Jadzia. Um, they can find me at One Up Dan uh, on Twitter, and that's one the number and not the word. All right, guys. Well, I think I'm gonna go cloak away uh, and maybe shoot at some of my enemies. Um, so I guess I'll catch you guys next time. Engage. Make it so. You have no honor, Daniel. Live long and prosper. We turn our back on you. We turn our back on fire. <laughs>